Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. After two weeks off, it is so good to be back. There was some travel, there was some re-energizing during those two weeks off. So glad to be back behind the mic and getting a podcast out to you all. In this episode of Carson Sack, we have a mail sack. We have a look ahead at college football. We are almost halfway through the year in that. And we have a look at week six or seven, I believe, seven in the NFL. A ton to get into, so let's not waste any time. Let's get right into the mail sack. Our first question this week comes from Connor Barnes, who asks, So, asking all the cards back two weeks ago was premature. I personally think it's time for Satterfield to go back to Boone County, North Carolina. If he was fired, who should be the first guy the cards try to hire? Connor, I appreciate you sending this in. And was it a bit premature at the time? No. But looking back in hindsight, yes. Maybe a bit premature. But Louisville still owns the state of Florida. We can definitively say that. The issue with the Satterfield stuff is I really don't think, barring just a total collapse down the stretch here from the cards, that he's going to get moved on from. I think they're going to give him at least one more year, and I think that's a good thing. There's He still needs to see some of, quote-unquote, his guys really get in there and be able to maybe establish more of what he wants to do. It'll be interesting to see if when... His guys get on defense because that seems to be a big thing with them. Their front seven being extremely undersized and getting pushed around. It'll be interesting to see when he gets his own quarterback in there, what that'll look like. His teams at Appalachian State were good on offense when he was there. And I think maybe they give him another year to really assess things and get his guys in there and just see what really they all have with Satterfield there as the head coach. If they were to move on... Um, I think a name that jumps right to the top of mind is Brom from Purdue. That would be a flashy get people in the seats higher. The hometown kid, Trinity football player, all this stuff, coming back home. They tried to lure him away a couple years ago when they hired Sat from Purdue, and they couldn't get that done. I understand Purdue just beat Iowa, but I think at the time when they were trying to lure him, he had Rondell and David Bell, Rondell Moore and David Bell as incoming freshmen, or they had committed and they were a year away, and the program seemed to be a bit higher. Yes, at Brom being there, they've upset two number two ranked teams, Ohio State a few years ago, Iowa this past weekend, and they're trending in the right direction, but... Have we kind of seen probably the peak of what Purdue is going to have to offer under Brom? I, I think so. I think, I don't, I just can't imagine them getting 
any better and like contending for a Big Ten title. They can be a good team, and I think they have had talent through there at Purdue and been a good team and been a team that can upset the Ohio States, the Iowas, the Michigans, and things like that in that conference, but I think that's probably their ceiling. I think that's a name that you would hear a lot that would get jumped to the top of the line. Um, I have no clue if he would even want to come, but Jamie Chadwell, the Coastal Carolina coach, he's young. He's had two great seasons back-to-back. I don't know if other big-name programs would be coming calling his way or if he would need to go to a Louisville, like a prove it, like do it at a step above where you're at level. I think Louisville would be a good place for him. Um, you can also look at Billy Napier, the, the Louisiana coach. He seems, he tried to get lured away last year when there were some job openings. He committed, he liked there at Louisiana, so I think he would be tough and a guy that doesn't really have any connection there. Um, another guy, Eli Drinkowitz, SEC Missouri's coach. I don't think you're going to get him to make a type of lateral move. Uh, the Sean Lewis from Kent State, I like him. Um, I want to say Jeff Halfley, but again, I think that's another lateral move from Boston College, and I think he is poised and destined to be a head coach at a top-level Power 5 school, and right now Louisville just isn't that. Um, Will Healy at Charlotte could be another guy that you can look at. Charlotte's been improving from year to year. I personally, you get on the phone, call Coach O, see what he's doing, see if he wants to take a swing at things. Uh, There's a ton of options out there. It's just I don't think that move off from Satterfield is going to come as soon as some people are hoping in the Cardinals fan base. But there's a ton of a ton of people out there that can do that job and re-energize this program. But I think we are probably a year and a half away from that actually happening. Uh, Our next question comes from Maeve Armstrong, who asks, What is my opinion of Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker and their uh, ring opinion and relationship feedback, etc.? Extremely happy for both of them. They've only been dating or together publicly for at least 10 months. Um, Who knows how long they had been seeing each other, going on dates, doing whatever in secret. Um, Probably closer to a year, if we're being honest. Happier for them. You can't put a timetable on love. Some people it takes 10 years. Some people it takes 10 months. It's totally fine. If she is happy, um, good for her. It's crazy to think that so many people are rushing to get married and everything like that. And Courtney is, I don't know how old is she's 40s or so, I bet. And she is just now getting married. That's totally fine. That's a totally acceptable thing. Uh, no problem at all. The ring looked great and massive as it should for someone of Travis's stature. Um, like how he proposed it. I like the roses, I like the beach, whatever, whatever. Um, I'd be interested to see who is in his groomsman, who's in his party. Um, I'm sure that wedding will be... I, I'm almost willing, I bet you any amount of money that she wears a black dress rather than a traditional white one to that wedding. Just, I I like them together. The only thing I will say is I'm kind of tired of the imagery that is going out with those two and Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly as those four together and how they're portraying themselves. I'm kind of sick of that, but tying that back in, I think it's 
to her, for her to wear the black dress is this new off the wall edgy Courtney Kardashian. So I bet she does that. But um, happy couldn't be happier for those two. Um, hopefully, and wishing them the best. Hopefully, they uh, till death do us part remains true with them. Our next question comes from Polly Marino, who asks, "Who has produced better talent, Dortmund or Ajax?" Ajax, easy question. Moving on, Trent Revelette asks, "When do you plan on becoming a heel? And when said heel turn is made, what is your first act?" Trent, we have been talking about a heel turn for years now. I think right now is probably not the best time to turn heel. Um, Given the grand scheme of things, we are coming up on the holidays. That would be a massive time to turn heel. Um, There's going to be so many people in town um, for the holidays that you haven't seen in a while. And if I were to start acting like a total fucking asshole, then things could be perceived the wrong way. People could be rubbed the wrong way. And people's opinions of myself could be changed. And I really don't want that. So uh, while... The heel turn would probably never be expected around the holidays, and that would be a great time to cash in on that, to really cement this heel turn. Uh, Just probably not going to happen within the next couple months. If anything, I think we plant the seeds potentially around February and March, and we let those seeds grow and grow, and before next summer, we turn heel. Um, My first act, I have absolutely no idea what that would be. But luckily, if we follow this timeline, I have plenty of time to think about that. If anybody has any suggestions, if Trent, you have any suggestions, I know we'll be together on Saturday. You are welcome to throw any suggestions my way because you can clearly tell I need them because I'm a bit uh, lacking in that. But the heel turn is going to happen at some point. We just don't know exactly when. The uh, next question comes from Jack Muldoon, who asks, Thoughts on UK being ranked 10 and the Buckeyes being 17th? The, he is referencing the AP poll, the preseason poll that came out for college basketball. I think there's a ton of talent in that top 10. If you look at it, you have Gonzaga and UCLA leading the way at 1-2, and two, returning a ton of talent. Kansas, who was always good, but I feel like they're always a little sort of overranked. Villanova with Jay Wright, they are always dangerous. They come in at number four. Texas and Chris Beard like what he has. Michigan returning a ton of talent, and Jawan Howard really proven last year that he was able to recruit and coach on a big level, brought in a ton of guys in through the transfer portal that were key members of that team. The team for me that I think maybe... Ranked a little high right now. They might struggle at the beginning part of the year, but I think come February and March is really going to turn it on is Purdue. I love what they bring back uh, with Ivy and a ton of other talent. I like them a lot. Baylor, I think in a tough Big 12 this year, they might regress a little bit and not be a top 10 team at the end of the year, but will be around. Duke, obviously, always being around the top of the rankings. Ninth, a little low for them, but... what? Particularly what you asked about Kentucky. I think this is a massive prove-it year for them. They have a ton of talent coming in like they always do. It'll be interesting to see the developing new style that Cal is sort of trying to implement with this team. There's a ton of guards. You have Wheeler coming over from Georgia. You have Grady, Grandy, whatever his last, however you pronounce his last name, coming in um, as well. 
We have Mint coming back. You have Ty Ty. There's a ton of talent and a lot of guys that can just play sort of positionless basketball on the perimeter. Then you have Oscar coming in from West Virginia, a big, strong, powerful center that I feel like a lot of Cal's best teams, and I've said it once, I'll say it again, his best teams had that big, dominant guy in the middle. You can look at Anthony Davis. You can look at Carl Anthony Towns, Bam Adebayo. I'm not saying Oscar's on that same level. I'm just saying that... A post-presence like that, even P.J. Washington, a post-presence like that is needed, and his best teams have had that. Uh, Also want to mention Keon Brooks coming back. He's looked great, apparently, so far in the summer workouts and the summer camp. Bryce Hopkins, the freshman as well, he's looked very good. Um, The 6'6 guy coming in. So, a ton of talent. They're young, but they're not... All young, if that makes sense. There's guys on the team with Wheeler and Mintz and Grady and Brooks and Oscar who have played in big games, big moments, big conferences that these young guys, they don't need to probably be rushed along like Kentucky teams have in the past. Like, Kentucky always has a fairly decent non-conference schedule. They play in the Champions Classic, and they play in that, like, tip-off game every year where they play either, like, Kansas or Michigan State and Duke. And sometimes the Kentucky players aren't really ready for that right out of the bat as the first game. I think in this one, they play Duke, I believe. Um, It's not even for just that game, but the games following that, the first couple months where... The freshmen coming in aren't going to need to be rushed because there are these upperclassmen experienced guys with big-time playing experience that they can shoulder some of the load and help acclimate these freshmen to college basketball. And then if those guys do, say around late December, January, February, they start hitting their stride and you pair that with those guys of the upperclassmen and the transfers, then this team's dangerous, and I like that, and I think Cal knows that and likes that as well. On the other side of your question for Ohio State, the biggest thing coming back was EJ Liddell. So happy he came back. Glad Kyle Young came back as well. Upset Dwayne Washington did it, but they bring in um, a guy from... Louis Southern Louisiana or Louisiana who had 17 points at the Sun Belt last year. Excited to see how he does. Excited to see the guard situation. There's a ton of guards as well there at Ohio State. Um, you have the transfer from Penn State, Branham, Bronham, however you say his name, Michi Johnson, Sotos. I hope Jimmy Sotos finds his way on the court. You have Malachi Brahman, the freshman from St. Vincent, St. Mary. Um, the Cedric guy as well, Cedric Russell, I believe, the transfer from Southern Louisiana. Just a ton of guys on the perimeter that can play. So it'll be interesting to see how Holtman divvies out minutes there. They bring in Joey Brunk, the transfer from Indiana, to be a, another body that's definitely been needed because Zed Key, it, he's a great player. I like him, but he's a little undersized for me at center. Brunk is another big guy like Kyle Young. who Kyle Young's not the biggest, but he plays a lot bigger than he is. I think there's a ton of depth on this team. Uh, not even mentioning Eugene Brown, Justin Arns, guys that... Arns, more so, three-point guy, but Eugene Brown made some big shots at times, given his small minutes that he played. It'll be interesting to see how Holtman gets all these guys' minutes. Um, But I'm totally comfortable. I know Ohio State at times last year, they got all the way up to like two or three or four in the country. 
I'm the way I view it with Ohio State. If they can stay in that top twenty range all year, even top twenty five, if you just don't fall out of the rankings, that's a good year. Um, you know, you traditionally think of Ohio State as this football school, but Holtman coming back, and even when Thad Mata was there, they had success, and then Holtman has really made them just a solid team, and last year they were thought to be, they were two seed in the tournament, understand they got upset by um, whoever they, I don't even remember who they got upset by, but they got upset, I understand that, but I think this is maybe a step down from that team, but a more consistent team for what Ohio State basketball really is. Like, it's just a good, solid team that they're going to be a tough game in the Big Ten. They're going to win a lot of games in the Big Ten. Their out-of-conference schedule is good. They play uh, Seton Hall. They play UK. They play Xavier, Duke as well in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So I, I expect a regression from them this year a little bit, but that bar was set pretty high last year. I think they regress to what is normal for Ohio State basketball, which is a good team that is probably a top four seed in the NCAA tournament, and that's really all we can ask for. Um, our next question comes from... Matt Yules, who asks, is Baker Mayfield the Browns' long-term solution, or should they be looking at a new option? Yules, right now, I say he is the long-term option. I say that partially because I do actually believe in Baker Mayfield. I think he's in the absolute perfect spot for what he does well. I also say that because I'm not really sure if there's any better options out there. Like, the best quarterback free agent on the market is Cam Newton. The team's backup is Case Keenum. I don't think either of those guys are coming in and outperforming Baker Mayfield. I saw on Twitter after the game last week against the Cardinals where Baker continuously fucked up his shoulder, made a few bad passes in that game as well. Hey, what about Aaron Rodgers? I know Aaron Rodgers wants out, but I think what you have to give up for that and... What you'd have to pay him, and I understand he's still playing ridiculously well. You got to think when is he going to want to hang it up? You also have to think about the Browns' inability to hit on quarterbacks in the draft. You also have to think say we do bring Rodgers in, does he understand the situation a little bit better than he would have in Green Bay? And if they were to draft a project guy to sit behind him and learn from Aaron Rodgers, is Aaron Rodgers even going to? pay that guy any attention and put any effort into that or is he just going to say fuck y'all like it's that i think that is just a can of worms that if he were to be brought in i think he would he would have to win them a super bowl for it to be justified for him to be brought in and i understand that's like the expectation if you do bring him in but i think there are so many questions that would need to be answered if you were to bring him in, that I just posed, that that seems more like a headache than a real solution. And it's again, it's not for the on-field play because I I know Aaron Rodgers is still good. It's the off-field stuff, and when does he want to hang it up, and how will he treat a possible successor that they know that he should know isn't going to pose any threat to him? Like we will prob if they were to trade for him or get him, they're certainly going to let. His contract, um, they're going to keep him through his contract. That's another thing. You take on that contract. Baker still is on his rookie deal. 
I know that's another big question. Oh, do we extend Baker? All this. They're probably they're going to keep Baker and they're going to franchise tag him and have his one more prove it year. Then if he kind of sucks next year, then yes, just start to panicking you look other ways. But if we were to get Aaron Rodgers and they just paid up for Miles Garrett, they're going to have to pay up for Denzel Ward. You got to make some contract decisions with Odell and Jarvis. I don't know how the money would shake out. They just paid Chubb. I would like them to keep and pay Kareem Hunt to keep that one-two punch there as well. So I don't know if the money works out there. So really, you will to answer your question with another question. If not, Baker Mayfield, then who? This quarterback draft class is pretty fucking weak. I mean, you got the kid from Liberty, Williams, who I like, but he's projected to go the first quarterback off the board. Are you going to trade a bunch of capital for him? I, I have no clue about that. We've seen how sort of lesser... Quarterbacks that are playing against lesser competition in college, how they translate to the NFL, a bit questionable. Um, I don't know. I mean, Garoppolo seems to be on his way out. I certainly don't want that. Um, There's just not a ton of answers besides Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield has shown that he can win games. He's been in a bunch of shootouts. He can do... Basically, everything you need him to do, you would just like to, and me speaking as a Browns fan, I would like him to do things a bit more consistent and get a little bit better because I do think they can win a Super Bowl with him, but his consistency just has to get much better than what it is. He has splash games. You saw against the Chargers, and that sort of necessitated it uh, the way that game was going. It was going to be a high-scoring game, but... Just more consistency from him. I'm fully prepared to commit to him the rest of this year when his shoulder, it's not going to heal, but when he is feeling comfortable to play and next year, and hopefully you see some more consistency in that. If he were to have a year like he had last year, next year, sign me up. I will pay him. I'm not going to pay him like the Josh Allen, the Mar Jackson, the Patrick Mahomes type of money. I'll pay him less than that, but I'm willing to give him another four years, five years after that because the success he had last year is able to be duplicated. It's possible. We've seen flashes of that this year. We just need to see it again on a more consistent basis. So, Ewell's... Yes, he is the quarterback of the future for at least two more years. One this year, two next year in my book. And I'm willing to commit to him if I can see some more consistency out of him. Because if not him, I certainly, I really have no idea who else. Um, Our next and last two questions come from Mike Bennett. Next three. He asks, is the earth flat? It is not anybody that tells you it is. I think they are just, uh, they're either doing a bit or... They're uh, just dead wrong. It's been proven it's not. I have no clue how else to uh, tell you that. Uh, His next question, should kicking extra points be eliminated from football? What extra point system could replace it? I don't think it should be replaced. I like it. Uh, The only thing I could think that you could do is you could have the one-point conversion. It would be an offensive play run by the offense from the one-yard line. And then if you're going to do a two-point conversion, I think you got to move that back to like the seven-yard line or the ten-yard line if you're going to have that one-point conversion be from the one-yard line. But I I want to keep uh, 
kicking in it. I want to keep all the special teams in it. I I really dislike how some people are also suggesting, hey, we just take the kickoff away and we just start the teams on the 25-yard line. I absolutely hate that. Um, I think it takes away from the game, and I think it also takes a ton of jobs away from people. Um, you hear about guys that are special team lifers, that they go out and they bust their ass, and I understand they risk their health because some of those kickoffs are dangerous and the punts are dangerous. I 100% understand that, but that's that's person's job, and, and you would be taking that away from them, and teams would obviously be smaller. It's just not something I want to do. I just don't want to eliminate one of the three phases of the game in special teams, and that being also the excuse me, the extra point and the kicking game. I don't want to get rid of that. And then his last question, can we get a recap of your Los Angeles trip? Um, Yeah, so as I mentioned in the intro to this, I took a vacation a couple weeks ago, October 3rd through the 11th. I went out to Los Angeles. The, uh, excuse me again, the Original plan going out there was it was going to be a four-day weekend. I was going to go to the Chargers-Browns game that the Chargers ultimately end up winning, but the Chargers-Browns game with one of my good friends, Polly Marino, that stayed out there. It just so happened that the Front Bottoms, one of my favorite bands of all time, my favorite band right now, 1,000%, they're on tour. They had a show in Los Angeles on October 3rd. I asked Polly if I could come and stay that 3rd through the 11th. She said yes, so I did. Um, So I saw them on Sunday. Monday, I just toured the Redondo Beach area, walked around a little bit, went to the beach, went to the shops around Polly's house. Absolutely loved it. It was chill, relaxed, no big deal. Went to dinner with her on Monday to watch the Monday night game between the Chargers and the Raiders. Tuesday, I played golf at Angeles National Golf Club. It was fun. First real experience with desert golf. Um, Enjoyed the views. Probably, um, it's a course that I'm glad I played, but I never have to play it again. Tuesday, did that. Wednesday, I went to uh, West Hollywood. Met up with Claire Samuels, one of my friends there. We hung out, went to dinner, did some sightseeing, all this other stuff. Thursday, I played golf at Russet Canyon, one of my top favorite courses of all time. Um, absolutely love that. The No Lane Up guys did a tour sauce episode about that in their Carolina, and then, the, excuse me, in their California series season. Absolutely love Russet Canyon, one of my top four courses. Um, if you're ever in the Los Angeles area, I highly, highly, highly recommend going and doing that. Um, Friday, I go and I play Pelican Hill, uh, totally different golf course than Rustic Canyon, but another, just one of my favorite courses I've ever played. Uh, the first course I played that's been on the ocean, spectacular views. The course was great. Absolutely love that. Did that. And then Friday night with Polly, um, went to the comedy store, saw a bunch of funny people, Ron Funches, Mark Marin. Um, love that. If I was ever in um, California, and I lived in LA, I would go to the comedy store probably once or twice a month. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed it that much. Uh, Saturday, didn't really do anything, chilled out, watched some college football, went to the beach, um, and then didn't do anything really crazy, went to dinner with Pa that night. Sunday, went to the Browns Chargers game, and then Monday, I left. That is, uh, my recap for you, Mike. I hope you enjoyed that.
Thank you for everybody uh, sending in questions to the mail sack. As always, that segment is not possible without you all, so it means a ton that you all send them in. Keep your eyes peeled on my Snapchat and Instagram stories um, this following week on Monday or Tuesday when I will be posting the stories for you all to submit uh, your questions in. We are now going to get into week seven of the NFL football season. We get started on Thursday night in a matchup between two teams going the wrong way. The Broncos and the Browns, both teams sitting at 3-3. Three and three. The big story in this, Baker Mayfield going to be out after re-injuring his shoulder. Nick Chubb also going to be out. Kareem Hunt also going to be out. Jarvis Lantry could possibly come off the IR. That remains to be seen. They still have until 4 p.m. tomorrow due to the Browns to activate him. Odell is looking like a game-time decision. Teddy Bridgewater is questionable for the game with a foot injury. There are injuries all over the place in this. I think this is going to be a real ugly game. Um, I still think it's going to be a good game. Like, it'll be entertaining and probably a close game. Case Keenum's going to get the start for the Browns. Um, He knows Stefanski's system. He was there with him in Minnesota. It'll be interesting to see what they do and how they do it. It'll be interesting to see how Dearness Johnson, that running back, does for the Browns. With the Broncos and them on offense, um, they have a decent run game, but the Browns have been fairly good against the run. The pass game is what has really sucked for them, again, like defending the pass, but Teddy Bridgewater doesn't really strike a ton of fear in me. I, I've taken the Browns a lot on the sack picks recently, and they've let me down. They're not a sack pick this week, but I do think they ultimately beat the Broncos. Um, and it's sort of a mini-buy situation with the extra couple of days. It'll be a 10-game break before their next game. Rest up, get all these guys fully healthy, and then hopefully this can rejuvenate this Browns team that is really they've lost their last two they're going the wrong way um hopefully that rejuvenates them and they can attack this second half of the season um with some rejuvenated spirits the next game I want to look at is the Washington football team going to the Packers I just like the Packers in this one Uh, The Washington football team's defense has been one of the biggest disappointments this entire year. I don't think that offense is going to be able to score with the Packers. And I don't think the football team's defense, who hasn't really shown any signs of being how good they were last year, is going to be able to slow Rodgers down. Um, Heineke for them, for the football team, nine touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, Gibson has been dealing with some injuries. He's been playing, but hasn't been full percent. Uh, McKissick has been the primary guy there um, getting more percentages of the plays out of the backfield. And then Terry McLaurin, again, the bright spot for them all year, three touchdowns on the year, 428 yards. But you compare that to Devontae Adams, only two touchdowns, but 668 yards. Uh, Rodgers, 12 touchdowns. Excuse me, I just burped. Whoa. 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. The defense for the Packers, 
sort of getting better. That secondary is still a bit questionable, but I don't think Washington has enough to exploit that, especially in this game. Um, the Packers possibly getting all-pro uh, left tackle Bakhtiari back as well. That could be massive to deal with the pass rush that the Washington football team sort of has. Um, I think the Packers win this one pretty comfortably. The next game, we have the Ch- Chiefs going to the Titans. To me, I think the Chiefs win this. I I don't think the Titans come out and it's a total letdown game after the big win on Monday night against the Bills, but sort of something like that. If you go a couple years back and you look, the Titans started out the year, they were 2-4, and four, I believe, and they faced the Chiefs, and the Titans had a bye week the next week. I understand the Chiefs this year don't have a bye coming up, but it sort of propelled them to... The Titans did. They won that game a couple years ago, and it propelled them to the AFC Championship game that year. I am not saying it's going to go exactly like that, but I can see the Chiefs sort of definitely winning this game, but then this sort of being a turning point. Mahomes hasn't looked his best. He's been throwing a ton of interceptions, questionable balls, and at times it seems like he's trying to throw the 20-point pass. And it's just not, it's not there. Um, the Chiefs' defense is questionable. We, I was sort of surprised by that. They had a ton of pieces returning from a defense that was sort of bend, don't break, but got them to a Super Bowl. Understand, in the Super Bowl, they got shredded. But a, a defense that had pieces to be better than what they're showing so far, I'm not really concerned about Tannehill exploiting any weaknesses with this defense. Um, The Titans' offense primarily this year has been Derrick Henry and what he's been able to do. He has multiple games with three rushing touchdowns. If they can somehow limit him um, and make Tannehill beat them and go toe-to-toe with Mahomes, I feel pretty comfortable in what the Chiefs have in this game. So I'll take the Chiefs over the Titans. The next game to look at on the NFL slate in Week 7, one of my sack picks, I am going to go with the Dolphins plus 2.5 over the Falcons. I understand the Dolphins just lose last week against the Jaguars. Tua came back. He looked good. Um, one of his very few 300-plus yard games in the NFL, two touchdowns. The run game, abysmal, if you want to be nice for the uh, Dolphins, but I don't think this Falcons defense is they're probably on the same level as the Jaguars. Um, I'm not real threatened by what they pose. Um, I think Tua can keep it rolling. There's rumors swirling. They've reports are saying they're false, but rumors swirling that by the deadline there's going to be a trade made between the Dolphins, a third team, and the Texans that sends Deshaun Watson to the Dolphins. No clue about any of that. I think Tua can be an NFL quarterback. We just need to give him time. I think the defense of the Dolphins, who has been lacking this year, to put it bluntly, um, they led the NFL in turnovers last year, haven't been as good in that department. I think maybe they turned around this game a little bit. I know the Falcons are getting back um, Calvin Ridley, so that's going to be a tough challenge. Uh, Kyle Pitts in their last game was really coming on. He had a good day. Um, they've got Patterson, who they picked up as their gadget guy, who has influenced this game in a ton of ways. 
Um, I just see the Dolphins keeping this close and possibly winning this. I will go with the Dolphins over the Falcons. The next game, we have the Jets and the Patriots. I'm going to go with the Patriots in this one. It's a home game for the Patriots coming off a tough loss to the Cowboys last week. If you remember that first game that had these two teams playing, Zach Wilson turned the ball over, I believe, four times, four interceptions. I expect something like that to happen again. Um, I think Belichick will have something dialed up, maybe some different looks than the first game, but confuse the rookie quarterback and the Patriots with Mac Jones, who isn't really prone to those interceptions. I understand last week he throws what should have been the game-winning interception that Diggs picked off. Who Diggs, I, I know the Cowboys have a bye, this week, so I'm not really going to get to be able to talk about them that much. But Diggs for them has been incredible. An interception in every game. The pick six last week that should have sealed the game. So people are saying the blown coverage by him. It wasn't his fault. It was the safety's fault. Let's just get that right out of the way. Um, but back to this game. I just think that the run game for the Patriots and Mac Jones with uh, Harris and Stevenson are going to be too much for the Jets. I will take the Patriots in that one. The next game, we have the Panthers and the Giants. I am going to go with the Panthers in this one. Panthers, again, another team like the Browns and the Broncos, on the wrong end of a couple losing games recently. They battled back um, last week against the Vikings. They ultimately lost that game. But the offense doesn't look as great Without Christian McCaffrey, um, Donald's interceptions have gone way up since McCaffrey has been out. But Hubbard's done a pretty decent job filling in 261 yards, 81 yards, excuse me, 281 yards and a touchdown in McCaffrey's absence. Uh, The Giants are going to be able to get after Donald, I feel like. Uh, But I don't think with all the injuries that are on the offensive side of the ball for the Giants with Barkley and Tooney and a couple other receivers that the Giants are going to be having enough firepower. And I think Slayton and or Galladay and Barkley were practicing today. If they do play, I still think the Panthers, who the defense has been a bit of a surprise, and they get Gilmore back for his first game this year after IR and getting him from the Patriots. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does in his first game, but I like the Panthers in this one. The next game is a sack pick of the week, the over of 47 in the Cincinnati-Baltimore game. I think this is going to be a up-and-down track meet, but in two very different ways. I think the Ravens are going to be able to run how basically however they want to on the Bengals. And I think the Bengals against a tough Baltimore defense and a good secondary, I think Joe Burrow is trajectory-wise on pace to be a top seven, top five quarterback in the NFL for years to come. Um, with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Uzama, Mixon, Evans, a ton of guys that are there. Um, I think there's going to be a ton of points being able to be scored. The game being in Baltimore does help me a lot with making this pick. I think the Ravens do beat the Bengals, take over that top spot, um, and cement themselves in the AFC North, and uh, they continue to win. I'll take the Ravens over the Bengals. The next game, a game that I am... uh, Really not that interested in the Eagles and the Raiders. Raiders three and a three point favorites. This is not a sack pick or anything. Um, 
The Raiders are due for like a weird clunky loss or something. Some people thought that was going to be last week with the Broncos. Uh, maybe it's this week. I'll take the Eagles over the Raiders. Uh, Jalen Hurts so far this year looking decent. I know that last game was a bit difficult. Um, they go and they play the Buccaneers on Thursday night, 12 of 26, 115 yards, one touchdown. Um, but rushing in that game, 44 yards and two touchdowns for him on the ground. He's dangerous. The Raiders are probably going to get after him. He's probably going to need to make some plays with his feet. Um, I'll take the Eagles over the Raiders. Next, we have the Lions and the Rams. Jared Goff revenge game. I've had this game circled on my calendar. I cannot wait to watch Jared Goff go back and probably lay an egg against his former team in the Rams. But God, I hope he balls the fuck out. Um, He probably will not. I'm going to take the Rams in this one, but it's 15 points. That's a ton of points. I understand, like, the Lions just aren't good, but they're Campbell, the Lions head coach, calling out Goff this past week, saying he needs to see more from him. Like, it sort of just writes itself. Like, I'm talking myself into Lions' money line, and I really shouldn't. Uh, I'll take the Rams, but if you catch me on Sunday and I'm talking about the Jared Goff revenge game and the Lions winning, um, just know I fully convinced myself that that's going to be a real thing and it's going to happen. But right now, I'm going to go with the Rams. Next game, another huge spread. The Cardinals, the only undefeated team in the NFL left, 6-0, hosting the Texans. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is going to be back for the Texans sooner or later. I think they're a much better team with him at quarterback than Mills, but I don't think it's this week. Uh, Short and sweet of it, I am going to take the Cardinals. And you got the J.J. Watt revenge game. Big for him. I I bet you he has a big gay. Um, I bet you he probably catches a touchdown pass from Kyler Murray as well. Um, I'll go with the Cardinals. If there's a prop bet, will J.J. Watt score? Take that. Um, the next game, this is my last sack pick. I'm going to go with the Bears getting 12.5 points against the Buccaneers. Justin Fieldson's coming in. Hasn't wowed anybody. Um, they beat the Lions. They, I don't think they've used them totally correctly, but the secondary for the Buccaneers is banged up. It's going to be imperative for that shitty Bears line to somehow protect Justin Fields. Um, we saw last week how with a mobile quarterback, they struggled. Maybe Justin Fields is able to hurt them on the ground just like Justin Hurts did. Um, if not, I think he can have some success through the air. Um, but I'm really banking on the Bears defense and that front seven, especially the defensive line, to get pressure on Tom Brady to cause some issues to make this 12-and-a-half thing work. Um, I think the Buccaneers win, but I'm hoping to God, because of the sack pick, that the Bears are able to cover that 12-and-a-half. 12-and-a-half is a lot of points for... uh, I think the Bears are competent. Like, if you ask me, like, are the Lions competent? I'd say, eh. The Texans, eh. Like, Lions getting 15, Texans getting 17-and-a-half. Like, those are big. Yes, I get it, but... Not that competent, but the Bears, I think they're decent enough to be able to cover that 12.5. The Sunday night game, you have the Colts going to the 49ers. The 49ers off their bye week. The Colts, after beating the Texans pretty decisively last week, some injuries for the Colts with Paris Campbell, who was coming on as of recently, going back to the Monday night Baltimore game, and then this past week against the Texans, catching a bomb for a touchdown pass. 
I'm going to take the 49ers to beat the Colts. I think the front seven on the defense side of the ball for the 49ers is going to be able to get after Carson Wentz. When he's pressured, he holds the ball too long. He gives up fumbles. He throws interceptions. Um, it'll be interesting to see if maybe the Colts can get Jonathan Taylor going and take some of that pressure off of Wentz and they can use some play action. Um, the Colts defense is good, but I think Garoppolo coming back, I think he's going to be the starter. His calf injury seems to be manageable and he's been dealing with it. Um, I think Garoppolo and the run game that Shanahan will have dialed up is going to be able to neutralize what the Colts do well on defense. So I'm going to take the 49ers. And then the Monday night game, this is probably going to be a fucking weird, controversial ending type game. You have the Seahawks hosting the Saints. I am going to... You have Geno Smith because Russell Wilson's finger and his surgery. You have Jameis Winston. I'm going to go with the Saints. I think that defense is good enough to cause problems for Seattle with Geno Smith. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what Jameis Winston shows up. Um, he's had some games with four touchdowns this year, and then he's had some games uh, just not very good at all. Um, 12 touchdowns on the year, three interceptions, so the numbers there are down. Um, shocked to see Kamara with only a touchdown. Um, the Seahawks' run defense is eh, questionable at times, so maybe this is a game where you see um, them lean on the run a little bit, lean on the defense a little bit, um, and try and break the Seahawks' spirit and escape the 12th man when a win. I'm going to go with the Saints over the Seahawks, but I bet you it's a real wonky type game. That is going to do it for NFL Week 7. A ton of buys this week. In the fantasy land, they're calling it buy-ageddon. A lot of good teams on break this week, let's just put it that way. We are now going to switch focus to the college football slate that is uh, not really that much better, if I'm going to be honest with you. But let's get into the college football talk. We start the Week 8 college football slate off with a big game on Wednesday night. Coastal Carolina tonight going to Appalachian State. I think it's really kind of a cute pick to take Appalachian State tonight. I think Coastal, they're the 14th team in the country for a reason. Their quarterback, McCall, has been exceptional. 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, only one interception. Bryce for Appalachia State, who they're primarily a running team. They'd like to have long, sustained drives. I understand that, but he's at 1,400 yards as well. Only eight touchdowns, but five interceptions. So if the Coastal defense is able to get after him and get some turnovers, I like Coastal in this one. Um, The game plan, I think, for probably Appalachia State in this just – Hold the ball as long as you can and just hope for the best. But uh, I still think Coastal wins this game. You can listen to this tomorrow morning um, or whenever you do listen to it and say, hey, you were wrong, and that's totally fine um, if Appalachian State does end up winning. Uh, moving on, on Saturday, Ohio State goes to Indiana. It is just breaking that Indiana will be starting true freshman, 18-year-old um Donovan McCulley instead of Penix. I think that's a real tough spot. It's a good thing that the game's at home for Indiana, but I think Ohio State's defense actually is improving. Um, Maybe not in leaps and bounds like people seem to think it is, but that offense is definitely getting better for Ohio State. Stroud, with the week off that he had against Akron, comes back the next week against Maryland and plays extremely well. 
Um, he's getting some Heisman buzz. Henderson on the ground, the true freshman, has looked great. The receivers obviously looking great. Um, I think Ohio State wins this one hopefully comfortably. Indiana in the past has always given Ohio State some trouble. Um, you look back last year, the final score indicated it was sort of a closer game than it really was, but a tough game. Ohio State's had some trouble going to Indiana in the past. Uh, hopefully that is not the case this week. Hopefully that defense can continue to improve. I still think um, we're a couple weeks away. We're we're the thirtieth where they faced a real. They faced Penn State. I think that's going to be an ultimate test for them. For that defense, I I just can easily see the freshman quarterback struggling against Ohio State's defense and maybe some more steps are taken by Ohio State, but I'm still not 100% sold on them on the defense side of the ball until they face they face Penn State, they face Michigan State, they face uh, explosive Purdue team, they face Michigan at the end of the year. I'd like to see how they perform against some better competition, but um, I don't think the components are there for Indiana. I think Ohio State wins that game. Uh, this is a week where, after last week, we had a ton of top 25 matchups. There are no matchups between two top 25 teams. So I'm going to go through and just list the games and of the bigger teams because I think it's going to be kind of chalky this week. Um, Cincinnati has Navy. Um, I think Cincinnati wins that one pretty comfortably. Oklahoma and Caleb Williams, uh, after the benching of Rattler, who... I'm just not about him anymore. Couldn't be. I was high on him, high on the Sooners um, coming into the season. I'm still high on the Sooners because I think Williams really is the answer there for them. Uh, They go to Kansas. That should be an easy win. Michigan hosts Northwestern. Um, Maybe Northwestern keeps his one close, but Michigan probably wins that one. Illinois goes to number seven, Penn State. At Penn State, I don't think Illinois has a chance, especially with Bielema calling out his offensive line and his players. Um, Screw that. Did not like that one bit. The next game, Wake Forest, 16 in the country, sitting at 6-0. They go to Army. I like Army a little bit in this one. I really think that the the, uh, service academies and that triple offense offense they run, the mid-tier teams, like... Wake Forest, they struggle, I think, with that. And, like, the higher-tier teams, like a Ohio State played Navy a couple years ago in the first game of the year. I think the, like, good Power 5 teams with a ton of athletes, I think their athleticism is just able to overcome the system for, like, an Army or a Navy. I don't think Wake Forest necessarily has, like, those standout guys. I like Army to keep this one close. Maybe even pull off the upset. The line's only wake three and a half, so some people are thinking that. Just keep an eye on that one, because I do think Army has a chance to win that. Moving on. Wisconsin going to Purdue. Purdue sitting at 4-2 and two after their big win, their upset win against Iowa last week. David Bell, one of, if not the best receiver in the country, um, I am going to go with Purdue in this one. Wisconsin's defense is still good, um, but if by some let's just say Purdue puts up 21, 24 points, Wisconsin's not scoring that many, so I'm going to go with Purdue in that. 
Next game, we have Oklahoma State going to Iowa State. Oklahoma State escaping last week against Texas. Keep an eye on this one as well. Iowa State's a seven-point favor in this one. I definitely think they can pull off the upset. Next game, Oregon going to UCLA. Again, keep an eye on this one. UCLA, a two-point favor in this. Oregon struggled last week against Cal at Oregon. Don't like that at all. And DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, one of the most electrifying players uh, for UCLA and the country. Sitting at 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, and two interceptions. Um, Also a threat on the ground. It'll be interesting to see if Oregon's defense can slow that down or if it's going to have to turn into a shootout. And I don't think Brown, the quarterback for Oregon, is really built for that. And the run game has been kind of porous for them ever since their big day against Ohio State. So I like UCLA in that. LSU goes to Ole Miss. LSU, I think, loses this game. I think last week was a bit of a... Outlier, I don't see them being able to run the same fucking counterplay 12 times and get like 400 or so yards on it against Ole Miss. Um, I don't think the quarterback for LSU is good enough to score with them. Um, I'm at Corral, so I'm going to take Ole Miss. And it's Eli Manning Day or whatever too. So like, come on. They're not going to lose with him there. They're apparently putting some fucking decals or something on the field too for his day. Just no chance Ole Miss loses this one. He says as they probably go on to lose this one because I just jinxed it. Uh, the other game, surprising. This is the first time since 2016 or 14, I believe, that in an ACC game, Clemson is an underdog, but they go to Pittsburgh. Uh, the game's at Pittsburgh as well. Pick it for Pittsburgh. 1,900 yards, 21 touchdowns, and only one interception. Clemson's defense is going to have to show up in this one. So is their offense, and they've just failed to do that consistently. I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this. Um, I think their defense is good, and I think Pickett's one of the better stories, the biggest surprises this year in all of college football. Um, I'll go with Pittsburgh because I don't think Clemson's offense is going to be able to do enough. We have Boston College coming to Louisville. I will be in attendance for that game. Uh, Give me the fighting Jeff Halfleys in that I predicted to a couple of my friends, and I've been quite vocal about it, I think this could be the worst loss Louisville has. I'm not backtracking on that, but after the performance that Boston College had against North Carolina State last week, I don't feel as confident. Maybe this isn't the worst loss Louisville has this year um, in terms of how many points they're beaten by, but I do still think Boston College and the fighting Jeff Halfley's do win that game. Alabama coming off the loss a couple weeks ago to Texas A&M. They beat up on Mississippi State last week. They welcome Tennessee this week. Uh, Tennessee continues to reel. Hopefully there are no trash thrown on the field. In this game, I'm going to take Alabama over Tennessee. And then USC, ho, uh, I was going to say host. USC goes to Notre Dame. Um. I am going to go with, eh, fuck it. I'll go with Notre Dame. Um, I think the quarterback situation is still a little rocky for USC. I think Cone is going to be okay. And I think Notre Dame's defense is going to be able to cause enough disruption with USC that Notre Dame gets the win. And then, yeah, I mean, there's not really that many games left. North Carolina State goes to Miami. I like North Carolina State in that one. Miami, since King has been out, just hasn't done anything for me. Uh, West Virginia TCU. I like West Virginia in that one. 
again, not a ton of great games this week, but a massive week nine coming up next week. So I apologize if that was a bit brief and rushed, if you feel like. But again, I don't feel like wasting time talking about just sort of non-important games. And there's a ton of non-important games, it seems like, on this schedule for this week. That is going to do it for this episode, episode 90 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. Thank you again, as always, for tuning in, listening. We are creeping up on a milestone that I am super excited about. I am not going to give it away here. Just listen to the podcast. Keep your eyes peeled on social media. Hopefully we get that within this week or next week um, so I can tweet that out and share that with you here on the podcast and all my social media channels as well. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. I'm tweeting out my NFL picks every Sunday. I'm also getting into golf picks as well if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Carson Karras. Like, rate, view, subscribe. All of that good shit on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you may get your podcast from. I'm sure you can like, rate, review, subscribe on that website or app as well. Um, next week, tentatively planning on Ryan Moore joining me for a NBA season preview. We've done it multiple times in the past. Um, he texted me last week. We just got to hammer out a date and a time. So keep your eyes peeled on that. That could be a longer show next week, depending on if I do the mail sack as well. But I'm probably going to do the mail sack. But uh, keep your eyes peeled because there probably will be a big NBA preview for that uh, for that season next week. Uh, again, thank you for listening to episode 90 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And as we always end here on the sack, we will be see. Because I'm an island boy, and I've been trying to make Oh, I'm an island boy. I, I'm a just island boy. I'm a just island boy. I'm a get key white going. You're going to keep that gun. I'll be just staring at the sun. I'm just out full gazing. I'm like, pull where I'm staying. They're like, you want to be famous. I'm trying to be out all greatest. I'm going to float all boy. I got a real damn topic. I'm like, the dumb on the topic. I'm an island.